Server City. Part two, this is the end of the, this installment of, of messages, if you will. And here's just the thought that's been kind of ringing through my mind. Follow God, and he will lead you to serve others. Follow Christ, and he will lead you to serve people. To be a follower of Jesus, somewhere in that means to serve. Jesus came to be a servant leader, a servant Messiah, if you will, a servant king. And he didn't think so much of his life that he would not stoop himself in that wonderful scene that we read in John 13 that he knelt down and he washed the feet of those dirty, um, of those disciples. And I think they were dirty in more ways than one. Also, they had dirty feet. You know, I mean, I don't know about you, uh, feet are not the prettiest feature on our bodies. And the church said, of course, you women went, you ain't seen my toes, they're beautiful, I get them done all the time. Well, glory to God. Us men are going to say, hey, our toes ain't so pretty. Okay. And maybe you've told your wife lately her toes are beautiful. Okay. Proverbs eleven eleven. Just write it there. I'll give you different verses that aren't inside your notes. That, and I do that because I love for the series, the, the service to be full of God's Word. And I don't know what missile, what verse targets your heart. But I know as I study throughout the week and as God continues to give me things, I believe it's for a reason. And the church said, sometimes it's like just a kind of a side verse, but that's the word of God that was alive for you. So listen to this, 1111. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. And God wants us to be the, the people of God, the children of God, to be upright, that we lift up, we edify, we lift up our city. And um, Jesus said it this way one time, whoever wants to be great, be a servant. If you want to be one that has position or influence or impact, be a servant. The world doesn't teach that. The world says, see how many people you can get under you and you can lord over them and use your position and be about me first and you last and those kinds of things. But I even wrote it right here at the very top. Jesus measured greatness in terms of service, not status. That is so opposite from the world system. The world system says if you get the right titles, if you get the right this, if you get the right position, then that's where it's at. And there's no doubt God uses those positions if he gets a hold of the heart that he can leverage those for his honor. But God's always been into service. You know, it's not a new message today of talking about service. I, I will preach on this from time to time because it's the heart of Jesus. So I, I was thinking in this city, let's have a passion, a love for our city last weekend. And today, man, let's serve our city. And yesterday... Our church really did that in a great way. Um, you know, 2,000 years ago, the disciples, they were struggling about position. Who has the most prominence? Jesus, I got a question for you. Who's going to sit on your right and your left? Could it be us? <laughs> what a dumb question to ask Jesus. And Jesus wasn't there to give out positions. He was there to give grace and mercy and forgiveness and understanding. Jesus said, hey, if a man falls in a ditch, leave him there. That's not what Jesus says. If the man falls in the ditch, the woman falls in a ditch, go, go help him out. And this morning, we'll look at that familiar passage about the, the ditch passage, if you will. But we're going to be a while before we get there. But I do know this. As a follower of Jesus, we have uh, gifts. I tell you, a spiritual gift mix. And those are to be used for the master. And sometimes we have primary and secondary gifts. 
And with those primary anointings and gifts that God gives us, we seem to flow supernaturally in those areas of our life. And that's where the body, many parts, one body, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, it, it's a lot stronger. But, however, if we, if we just serve in that, we'll be less than. But when we say, God, whatever it is, would you give me the equipping, the gifting, and maybe this needs to be done, that's maybe not top on your area or your strength or your shape as Rick Warren would teach years ago to us. It would be important though that you'd find out how can I make a difference? And I watch that all the time around our church. So I, I wrote here in the message truth. Look, look right there in the blue oval with me. Let's choose to serve in our city and impact relationships deeply for the honor of Christ. Just real simplistic. Uh, the only thing is if I can learn to live out this statement, if you can join me in this truth, Wow, our church has a new landscape. We have new influence in Montgomery and Pike Road and Prattville and River Region and maybe to the ends of the earth. But this idea of greatness has always been uh, a thing that we've had to struggle with as humans and as believers even. So let's just look at some statements to transform our life. Number one, servant helps me to be more like Jesus. That's a great place to start, isn't it? Just whenever I serve, when I serve the needs of God, when I serve the needs of humanity, I become like Christ. When, when I serve there, I become more like him because that's what his nature was. Now, you would think, man, if you got a robe and if you're a rabbi or if you did this or that, man, then you would be really special. It's not what God teaches. Matter of fact, there's a story there. He talks about how the rabbi and the priest and all those people, they, they pass them by and they're like, hey, we got to go to church. You know, a lot of times I'm on the way here and there's a situation and, and you're tempted and it happens to you. You, you, you know you need to stop and you need to help or you need to take five more minutes or ten more minutes. And sometimes you do and you sense the blessing of God. And there's other times that you don't do that and you're like, but I got to get here. That, that's the good and noble and right thing to do and we miss God. And we have to just pray through that in every situation. God, do you want me to slow down now and am I being disrupted? Has anybody ever been disrupted by the Father? <laughs> yeah. And is it ever convenient? Many times it's not. But man, it's right, and it's noble, and it's true. In Matthew 25, 40, I think back screen's not working, so I think it's going to come. There it is. The king will reply. I would, I truly, I'll tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. So Jesus is just saying, hey, when you do these acts, when you serve it up, do it with the right attitude. Not, it's not just, and it is important to have right actions. Compassion is always full of action. But then, but if I do it with the wrong attitude, I mean, I probably shouldn't have even have done it. Maybe it helped somebody. But as far as like uh, blessing the heart of the Father, I missed it. Because God's really into this attitude thing when I read the scriptures, the Sermon on the Mount and various passages, Old and New Testament. God builds a case of uh, always uh, shifting my focus from me to somebody else. So this morning, it, it, this is just really kind of a pep talk and encouragement a word of exhortation to think, God, how, how can we make a difference? Um, let, let, me, let, me just say, let me just show you visually. Let, look at this video with me. And this is just a way that some of you yesterday were able to make a mark in Montgomery. Let's watch.
Hey, if you, there you go. There you go. Thanks, body. Thanks for being the body of Jesus. Hey, uh, if you need your dumpster lowered, call Bob. He, he's available. Uh, thanks, Bob. Yeah, you're just a humble servant. Michelle, thanks for putting up with him. Okay, here we go. No, that's a, here, here's a statement. I didn't put it in your notes, but I think it's worthy. We, we serve God by serving others. It's really just the heartbeat. I could say that. We watch the video, have another prayer, and go out and go, man, what's the message about today? About getting the focus off of me, getting it on somebody else, that I glorify Christ, and we're about loving our city to Jesus. See, loving our city to Jesus is about telling somebody about Jesus, which I'll get to that in a minute. But let's look at the second point. Serving surrounds us with other Christians who, who can help us follow Christ. You see, that's the church, that we are in the habit of assembling, of, of coming together, that we might be edified, might be instructed, might be supported, might be prayed over, might be led in worship, all those things. We might build friendships that are redemptive, that we might get hope and encouragement and answers for our questions and support and strength and, I mean, guidance and, and just so many things. I think about the church that we, we come together inevitably in so many different forms and fashions and likes and positions, but we form one church, part of the one church. Like yesterday, we joined with another community faith. It was Christ Community and Evangel Church, and we, and we came together in their activity center, and then we broke out to serve. And it, it was just a neat thing. It's just a reminder that God loves the body of Christ. Does he love the body, amen? He does. I mean, he loves us, and he loves when we cooperate and work together. And even though theologically we're not always going to agree on some points of theology, we can agree on this amazing Redeemer, amen, that loves us, that shed his blood for us, that calls us to his word. And we just have this incredible relate. We can build that relationship with Christ. And then it's fun when we do it in partnership with people that go to other churches. So anyway, I'm just trying to build a case for that. Look at the third one. Serving increases our faith. Every time that you and I decide in our heart to serve, I think our faith grows. And I think when we decide not to serve, I think our faith just, it, it, there's other ways to make your faith grow. Of course, it's prayer and it's the reading of the word, and doing all these things. But service is a big thing to the Father. And when we serve and when we encourage one another to serve, we, we become more like Jesus. And, and people, they, they see him because sometimes people, they, they don't seem to have ears to hear but they have eyes to see and to watch and to observe. And, and I'm not just saying, I'm not calling for a social gospel that we're just a church that meets needs, and yet that's a part of the gospel. I want the holistic part of who Jesus is, that we proclaim with loud and strong anointing and proclamation the gospel of grace. But that somehow translates from my mind and my heart down to my feet, and we walk out in it, and God is just honored, and he just... He, it's just good he, there in Ephesians 3.20 that I quote around here all the time that now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. That power of the Holy Spirit right now, if you're a believer in Christ, it dwells within you. And my prayer is that it will rise up into acts of service for Christ. God, help us to see the potential that our church has. We're not a large church, but I think we have a church with a big heart. I think we have a church that can make a difference. I tell you what, when our students and, and the adults that are going with Blake to Mexico this summer, if you could sit down and you could speak Spanish or if you get a translator and you ask that family, did this church, did this body of believers make a difference? They would go what? Yes, 
I moved out of cardboard. I moved out of very, uh, just a really tough situation into a home. The gift of God through a local church long ways away in a place called Montgomery that they've never heard of or seen or been to. Man, that's how Christ works. Yesterday, over serving a school, there are students that will show up on that campus tomorrow. That campus will look a lot better and administrative people won't worry about the things and just some things brought order and uh it was just it's just a blessing it's, it just looks better it's just right it just functions maybe some things got fixed yesterday maybe some things got tore up uh, i hope not if they did maybe we got to go back and have the second day did, did anybody want to confess did anybody tear anything up yesterday okay i just want to say i don't get any calls like hey man thank you so much for the church coming that made an amazing difference however you broke <laughs> okay and we'll say, no, that was not us. That was our friend's evangel. They broke it. The, I, I, I want Mike Rippey to listen to this. He threw me under the bus yesterday. We get in there, and we're welcoming everybody, and he's got his jeans on. He wanted to make sure he could look sloppy so he'd make me look bad. He goes, yeah, you look like you're going to do some work. Hey, good job, man. And I'm like, man, why are you picking on me? Okay, so this whole thing. Look at the fourth one. This is important. Serving our city helps us break the power of sin and break the control of self-centeredness. I don't know, but that's pretty easy to do is to center on I, on me, on ourselves. Um, service does damage to a selfish spirit. When we serve Christ, when we serve others, it helps destroy, annihilate that selfish nature in us. It somehow as Philippians says, it considers others better than ourselves, and we consider them worthy of our time, our devotion, our money, our resources, our energy, and we become more together. It makes a difference. Um, I don't think God's looking for a bunch of super Christians. I mean, I think it's pretty cool if we had some super Christians, whatever a super Christian looks like, I don't know. But I think God's looking for some available people that just go, God, we love you, and God, you've redeemed me, I'm, I'm bought with a price I'm not my own but I want my life to count so Jesus give me some fresh compassion Jesus clothe me in compassion today to go and to make a difference there's a lot of brokenness in our city it's in various forms economic racial spiritually physically I could go through so many areas that we're just broken but I do believe that us as, as a community of faith and the body of faith at large in our city, if we get some of this right and we start loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and we love others as ourselves, Montgomery gets to be a, a friendlier place to live. It gets to be a healthy place. It gets to be a, no, it gets to be a holy place. How many want to live in a place called holy? Uh, you all should have raised your hand. It's called heaven. I want to go to a holy heaven, but God says without holiness, no one sees the Lord. I, I'd love people to go, Montgomery, is that place down there in Alabama? Is that place where God showed up and the churches have transformed the community and that people love and forgive and serve one another? Wouldn't that be awesome if they just had reports on national news every night talking about Montgomery being the epicenter of the body of Christ and Acts 2 experience? But that hadn't usually happened. Usually they talk about, man, there's all kind of junk down there in Montgomery. Once again, Montgomery stirring it up. My friends in other cities and states, they ask me about Montgomery. What's it really like down there? And then the smart Alex in California and other places, they go, do y'all have bathrooms? 
I'm like, man. Because, you know, they'll interview somebody that's had a rough life and they live maybe out on a, you know, somewhere and, and they think, they, and they say, do y'all have all your teeth? And then they ask this and I get mad. Do y'all marry your cousins down there in Alabama? And I usually tell them another state does that, but not Alabama. And that's not a good answer, is it? I just want to deflect them. No, man. But I would love, you thought that was funny, huh? But I want to be known as the body. It's a city, man, that, that loves, the city that forgives. There's so much diversity in our city. There's so much history in our city. Downtown, go down there and begin to go and view and go through the Civil Rights Museum and the Capitol and on and on. You could just go over place and place and see all that has happened. But I, and, and I love history, but I want to see what God might do today from 2018 on. And when your little kids, your little kids that are 18 months old and 24 months and 36 months or whatever, let's get out of months, let's say years, 3, 5, 8, 18, 64, 84, I want to see whenever these people grow up, although if you're 84, you're grown, okay? I want to see us what? I want to see us propel and move forward. And we go, man, we're a city of healing. We're a city of hope. We're, we're a city of refuge. For believers that, man, we love Christ. So it's, it's just God's idea. So here, here's just a couple of things I wrote down if you want to write them. I, I don't have time to delineate or get into this in depth, but these are some thoughts that I think are good. Number one, you, you don't want to be selfish. Volunteer at your church. Many of you do. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Some of you are still not convinced. First Peter 4, 10 and 11. The people who greet you on the way in the service, the people that run all the tech and do all the sound and take care of the kids and the youth, and oh, no, 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 man, they're volunteers. They're not paid. They use their gift. Thank God. Here's another way. Donate to a homeless shelter. Bethany and uh, uh, Melinda would say, hey, donate to First Choice. Y'all do it Christmas in a marvelous manner. You buy all these gifts that uh, new moms have these gifts as they go through, the, uh, through classes and they earn. It, it's awesome. And then we give money as a church to that. And there's so many things we can do, but just practically. Here's one. Everybody in this room can do this. It doesn't even cost you. Just a little. It might cost you a stamp. Y'all remember what a stamp is? You know, I really know I'm a dinosaur now when I go, hey, you know what a stamp is? And goes, a stamp. What's a letter? Okay, don't worry about it. I text them. Oh, boy, glory to God. Okay, here it is. And I text a lot. Write somebody an encouraging note this week and mail it to them. Serve them. You don't know that they're hurting and they're discouraged. And maybe they're on their last leg or they're about to give up on their faith or they're about to give up on a partner or they're about to give up on a situation. Help them. Encourage them. The verse is 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Here's one deliver a meal some of you went glory to god where's that at i want to sign up i want to be on the receiving end of that deliver a meal in jesus name just double the recipe when some of you go that's easy somebody go i don't cook so if i double nothing i give nothing okay it just uh, acts 20 35 god just help us to 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 watch out for other people and to care and to serve and i mean these are just a practical ways uh this is one that our young parents would love watch someone else's kids for free Okay, I thought I'd get a little response out of that, but nobody liked it anyway. Yeah, but thank, thank you, Bethany. Bethany, <laughs> I put that in. I was thinking about you today, man. All your family's out of town, and I'm thinking, church, man, you could go over to the Gar's house and love two beautiful little girls for free. And somebody said, glory to God. Why don't you do it? <laughs> yeah, have you ever noticed that? We always go, why don't you do it? Have you ever had the Holy Spirit do this to you? I have. Why don't you do it? Uh, is he, Donna, is he talking to me? You know, sometimes I get called on, man, that's not convenient. And then I'll listen to the small voice of God, and I'll go, okay, I need to go do that. I, I never will forget a few years ago. It was a Sunday afternoon. We'd had a big morning. I was exhausted. I was just uh, 
more than ever, I was just really tired. And, and uh, man, I was going to take a nap. And a lot of times, I, I don't most of the time, but occasionally I do. And I was going to take one. And, and, and we had this ferocious storm come up. I thought, oh, okay, okay. And I looked out the window. I, you know, sometimes I wish I'd have never looked out the window. I looked out the window. And I, have a, I had a widow in my neighborhood, a single woman over there, and her, uh, her tree was laying across the yard, across the driveway in the yard. And I went, somebody should go get that tree up. I, I did. I mean, I, you're going, you're a sinner. I know, I know, I know. And I thought, man, I don't want to fool with that. And, and then, man, the Holy Spirit was like, why don't you get out there and go, you know, go there and cut it up and pull it out of the way. And about that time, my neighbor, he comes out of his house with his chainsaw. And it's like God wasn't convicted enough like to tell me to get out there. And them neighbors, I'm like, oh, I'll go. So we get over for the next two hours and are cutting and pulling the limbs and everything. And man, and when I got through, it was like, man, that was good. That was God. You know what I'm saying? But I almost missed it because I started to close my shutters and go take a nap and go, God, I don't want to be bothered. And so y'all laugh at me because you're like, oh, that's so funny. I'm glad I'm not your neighbor. Or you go, I'm glad I was your neighbor. You responded. I, 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 just, I just try to set myself up as, as a goofy illustration. But I want us to think about the situations this week, this month, that might come our way that somebody just might need something. They just might need a little help. You know, like, here, here's a simple one. Somebody's struggling to get, get their groceries out the door or, or, to, or to do whatever. Man, just go and say, hey, can I, I'll take five minutes. Can I just load these in your car for you? No, I don't work for the place. I don't want to tip. I, I just want to do this for you. Oh, okay, well, that'd be good. You know, I heard Craig Rochelle say this. Serving is not what I do, it's who I am. Write that down. That's a good quote. Serving is not what I do, but it's who I am. As a Christ follower, I think Jesus would build a great case to love our city that we'd say, God, service is going to become our second nature. And, and i got to say, some of you are so good at this. I mean, you, you serve this up in a manner that Jesus is really pleased and it, it's a great witness to all of us. And some of us maybe need some growth in that area. And, and see, every weekend, I don't know where you're struggling or you're doing great or where you checked out or you won't listen, but I just pray, God, give us words for the weekend. Lord, give us words of life that we would follow after you and be like you. Look at the fifth one. This is critical. Serving can sometimes be messy. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes serving is just messy. There's a guy... When I was a youth pastor and used to travel and speak, there was a guy named Mike Iaconelli. He had a great name. I always liked that, Iaconelli. That just sounds like a fun name to say. It's even more fun to spell it. Mike was the president of youth specialties. And he was a little eccentric in some ways, but, man, he had a passion for the Savior, and I just admired it. And he wrote a book one time called Messy Spirituality. <laughs> And, and I, so as I was thinking about sometimes serving being messy, I thought about Mike. He actually had a, a tough thing. He had an accident in his truck and was killed a few years ago and was taken from us early. But I'm thinking about you and I when we serve. Sometimes when we serve others, it might not be clean and tight like we would prefer, but it could be maybe a little messy in how it plays out. And then I think about just the messes we get ourselves into. So I, I, just, I, I just put down some thinking maybe this is it. Maybe... When you were in high school or in high school, you had an accident or you had an injury and you had to have surgery, your cheerleader, your football player, some athlete or something, it was just kind of messy. You ever had a loss of a job before and maybe for several months you couldn't get one or things were incredibly tight and you couldn't seem to get things going together? That's kind of a messy situation. I've witnessed this next one so many times in our church. Somebody in our fellowship has come here 
or they're going through a really messy divorce and it's really harsh and ugly and, and they're wondering, will I ever be loved again? Maybe here's one that seems to be where I'm at in the stage of life and what we went through. You have aging parents and they have health problems and you care for them or you should care for them and, and that can get kind of tough. It can get kind of messy. It's definitely inconvenient. And as you grow older, like right now, it's just like when I talk to my friends around the country and in the city and especially other pastors, they're like, man, you know, we're getting in that life stage now, Keith. We're old. I'm like, no, not me. I'm not getting in that line. You say it for yourself. But we are getting older. But then if, we, if our folks happen to be alive, they're really old or they're kidding at the age where they're facing something. And so, so sometimes those things are messy. But I just thought about messy situations. And then I want you to write this down. Just, you've got plenty of room under that. Messy situations are primary ways that God awakens our need for him. When things are messy and not just right, it awakens my need, my dependence, and it grows my dependence upon him. That God, if you don't show up, I don't know if I'm going to make it. God, I'm begging you to intervene in this given situation that I find myself. I pray that some other people would come alongside me and join me in this journey of life. Because life just consists of messes. Um, and I'll say this. In the mess, God, help me to find the meaning. I'm in this situation maybe because of some things that I've done. Maybe some things that were done to me. I don't know. But God, help me to find meaning and growth and develop out of this that somehow I become more like you, but that my compassion quotient grows for other people. That's what I've learned. Every Every time we're in a hard situation, it, you, we just tend to, to grow and uh, we tend to want to find what other people are doing. But in Luke 10, you're not yet, we're good. In, in Luke, uh, Luke 10, I want you to turn over to Luke 10 with me. Will you turn there with me this morning? Turn to Luke 10. And this is a beautiful, beautiful section. And in Luke 10, we find... And, and I listed back before 1025, but I want to I focus, I want to come down to verse 30, Luke 10, verse 30 through 37. And I want to read these words to you, and I want you to listen, I want you to hear. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him up, and they left him half dead beside the road. And by chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant a priest, if you will, walked over and looked at him lying there, and he also passed by on the other side. And in verse 33, look at verse 33. This is when the whole thing pivots. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his donkey, and he took him to the inn where he took care of him. And the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. And when I look at this, I see that this man's mostly or almost dead or severely compromised, if you will. And here's this person that's the Jewish clergy. And he ain't got time for him. He just passes him by. And I think about the camp that I work in, less preachers or whatever. Like, man, did, did we do it? And then the, uh, the other one, I, I know this, they, they didn't want to get involved. They didn't want to be inconvenienced. They didn't, we had a term when I was in school. I remember this in elementary school. I don't know who cloned this or who invented this, and it was horrible. You had cooties. If I say cooties, does anybody know what I'm talking about? 
And they're like, oh, don't touch her. Don't touch him. They have cooties. And we had this one girl in our elementary school that I won't say her name, but I'm sure that the girl was psychologically challenged and bullied. We didn't know what the word bully was really then. We messed this girl up. We always said she had cooties. And, and, and after raising two beautiful girls and becoming a pastor and all that, I can only imagine I'm s- sinful that I participated with all my buddies saying, she has cooties. And everybody there laughed. Unless you were the person that had cooties. And then there's no laughing matter. And I would love to see this person from the 60s that I grew up with at Dalreda. Let's see what kind of woman she's become. I hope she met Jesus like I did at 19, and he began to change her and her heart, her attitude. But here's this person here that I find that everybody's passing by. Everybody didn't want to get involved. But finally, if you will, a half-breed, a Samaritan, does the right thing. They stop, and they care, and they bandage, and they, they want to have great compassion. And you've got to remember the Samaritans were a hated, hated group of people. They were despised and rejected. And even today on the West Bank, people will try to avoid Samaria. And even I, the, latest, the latest thing that I've read about Samaritans, they're maybe even down to about a 700-people group. I mean, they've really kind of depleted. I mean, that's not a very active group anymore. But at that time in the Syrian Empire and the invasion and the intertwined intermingling of marriages and how people would become half-breeds the samaritans were an outcast and it was horrible and it was horrific and they just they got pushed aside and they didn't get loved on and and uh and, and samaritans i mean they had a paganized religion they built their own temple to try to symbolize the real temple and uh and then after a while some of them came in when there was the rebuilding of the walls and they said could we help could we participate and some of the Jews of that day would say, no, you're not one of us. You're, you're not part of us. No, you can't help. And, I, and, and it's shameful whenever I read and I began to study that. And I thought, you know, all, this, all these wars, these worship wars, and, and this big rival between the Jews and the Samaritans. And we could put other ethnic groups in the blank of Samaritans today, or we could put people that live in different neighborhoods or different zip codes or whatever, and we'd go, I'd just pass them by. And Jesus would say, no, slow down. And compa- I wrote this down. Compassion feels something. Compassion does something. Compassion feels it deeply. But compassion never stops in just feeling. Compassion moves into action. And that's what I pray our church will get better at, that I'll get better at, that you'll get better at, and, and that every blessing that you and I have comes with a responsibility. Write that thought down. Every blessing that you have from God comes with responsibility. The Jews were greatly blessed that they might be a blessing to the nations. And for us, as Christ followers, we're blessed with the grace and mercy of Jesus. And God says, I want to use that. But you have responsibility to go and to touch your world. And so I was working through this and the inconvenience and the divine interruptions. And, and, and I thought, man, so many times we want to put a sign out, do not disturb. Don't disturb me, I'm busy. And God might go, I've chosen a divine interruption for you. So today, maybe in your notes, just write down the word divine interruption, put a box around it, and ask the Holy Spirit to make you sensitive to divine interruptions. I think we're all going to have them. I think we all do have them. 
And it might be that maybe now we will try to be spiritually sensitive and aware of the things that God might do. Oh God, I want to have church, and we have church every Sunday morning. But oh God, I want to be the church. And the church said, and the church said, I want to be the church. And the church is messy. Sometimes people go, if someone's not going to come out there, they're a little messy. Like, glory to God, they're going to fit in real good with all of us. Man, they're a little screwed up. They're a little, excuse me, I shouldn't say that. They're, they're a little messed up. They're a little whatever. I, I know, man. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome. I just hope they can discover Jesus with us and we can find him and walk after him together. Oh, I look forward to heaven because heaven's going to be a place of misfits like me. Maybe you, if you consider you're one. But they have to come by the way of Christ. So here, here's what I want to move to. I, I, it's getting late, and I'm thinking about this serving and loving our city. This, this thought came to me just this morning as I was finishing up. It, uh, it, it got so powerful in my spirit. So I want you to look down there in verse 36. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied in verse 37, it's the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Be like this person. Be like this good Samaritan. Be the one that the love of God fills you and it gets demonstrated to humanity for the cause of Christ. But then, guys, I, I got I to just tell you something. We got to go there this morning. I want you to turn over to John 4. Can you turn over to John 4 with me quickly? John 4. I talked about this good Samaritan and honoring Christ. But then I had to think about the woman at the well one day and her situation in John 4. And she was the Samaritan woman. And she was a simple woman and she knew it. And Jesus confronted her with amazing compassion. And I've read this story hundreds of times. But this morning, the Lord just said, Samaritan, you're going to speak about a Samaritan this morning. Go to this lady. So I went back and I highlighted a couple of verses. But I want you to look down in verse 29 and 30. Because this is about loving our city. Loving our city means we tell our city. Loving our city means we tell our city about the grace of God. Look at verse 29 and 30. Come and see, she said, a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And in verse 30, I love this. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. This is a New Living Translation. They came streaming from the city to see him. And I just got to wondering about our church today. If we get on fire and we get compassion in action, and people see Christ is really making a difference, would the community, would the city begin to come running and streaming to follow, to worship this Christ that we sing about every weekend? Amen? Amen? Do you not see this? I mean, man, you're like, man, this is a good text for a preacher. No, this is a good text for a Christian. God, I want that. Jeremy, play, if you will. I just hope this morning as we come that God will solidify some of these statements that I've made and he'll bring the word to heart. Let's pray together. Father, burden 
our hearts this morning for our city. We find ourselves in Montgomery, Alabama, and Pike Road, and Central Alabama region, with communities all dispersed. And these are our zip codes where we live that you have placed us in. God, give us a new compassion for our city, for our community. Help us to be like this woman, like this Samaritan woman at the well that went and told and others came to see. May others come to see the kingdom that we proclaim. Help us to proclaim it in deed and in word. Give us words, Lord Jesus, words of the eternal kingdom of the Father. Give us life. Make us the kind of people you want us to be. Help us to serve up Christ today, God. Show us what that looks like. We want to love our city to you, Jesus. That's what I've been asking you the whole time, God. Show me, show my friends how to love our city to the Savior. That's what matters. Give us creative ways. Give us practical ways. But give us hearts and hands and minds and spirits that will serve you. Help us to follow you. Help us to get ready. And then this morning as I close out this prayer, maybe you're sitting there today and you've never surrendered control of your life. And today you'd say, Jesus, I surrender to your lordship today. I ask you to be my Savior and Lord. Cleanse me from my sin and wretchedness. Make me like you, God. Show me how to be a new creation, a new person. Make me new today, Jesus. Help me to follow you, to abandon my flesh and my selfish spirit to follow after you. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Fill this place, mighty God. Come and dwell and move and convict and make us like you until we come together again. In Jesus' name, amen.